This is USA Takedown. The best guests. All the hot news and predictions on combat sports of wrestling and MMA. With your host, the true American, Scott Casper. Connect with him now on social media and check out usatakedown.com. Now, it's time for USA Takedown. Hello again, everybody. It is USA Takedown right here from the Wild Rose Casino Studios. It's Friday. We talk wrestling, MMA, and boxing. You know what? We've got some major events coming up. We're going to be talking about several events bookending today's program. Dylan Wanigal is going to be joining us to talk about the event in New Jersey. Uh, kind of a remake, if you will, of the um, Grapple at the Garden. Okay? So we're going to talk with Dylan. The only thing we need to do now is add women's wrestling to the card, and we'll have a hit. I'm confident of that. Stephen Neal, the NFL great and uh, former uh, Cal State Bakersfield Roadrunner, is going to be joining us, a good friend of the program. Martin Hamlet is going to be joining us. It's actually Martin Hamlet Nielsen, okay? He's going to be live from uh, Norway, from Oslo, Norway. And he's got a, a million-dollar fight coming up at the end of the month. I have a feeling he's going to win this thing, but it's a million bucks. Pro Fighter League, PFL, uh, is putting on the event, and that evening they will crown six new millionaires. You okay with that? I mean, I'm, I'm serious. It's, it's six million. Why doesn't the USC do that? <laughs> they got the money. I don't know. Honestly, if I, I think I've mentioned this before. I know the whole caveat is that you have to win, right? Right. But at what cost? I I mean like I if if you told me I would get paid a million dollars, I would I would let somebody would... punch me in the face. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, I I'll have the so. money to pay for the medical bills afterwards. <laughs> oh. All right, so uh, we're going to talk with Martin and also Travis Dvorak from Wild Rose Casino. We're going to be live on the road next week in Jefferson and uh, recently uh, Kevin Dresser was an invited guest to speak at the Rotary there, and I understand it was a huge hit. He's our first guest on the program today, the Iowa State head coach, Kevin Dresser. Kevin, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Scott. Doing fine. So, take us back to that. Um, you know, everybody always asks me, you know, who who can you help us get for Rotary or whatever? But you had a ball doing this, did you not? Yeah, I hadn't been to Jefferson for a lot of years, so it was obviously not a long drive. So it was, you know, drove over there to, I think, their local country club, and it was a good group. And um, obviously we were kind of in the middle of a pandemic a little bit. Right. It worked out good, and they had a good crowd there and asked a lot of questions. I'm not sure what I said. I just kind of pick <laughs> it up when I get there based on what they want me to say. So, um but I enjoyed uh, meeting the folks, and there's a lot of wrestling knowledge in that group that I was with, and a lot of Cyclones, too. Hey, so That's that's huge. By the way, uh, Jefferson, Iowa, Greene County, uh, their uh, participation in that luncheon went up 60% once they found out that you were going to be speaking at the lunch. And uh, that says quite a bit about you. Your legend lives on. <laughs> well, it was a fun, it was a fun lunch. Hmm. Kevin Dresser, our guest, Iowa State's head coach. Kevin, the season is, hmm, it's in front of us. It's not like next week, but it's definitely in front of us. And there is an event on your schedule. I know that you wanted it to take place last year, but because of the pandemic, it wasn't able to take place. Iowa State will be hosting Purdue at none other than Humboldt High School in a non-conference matchup. Why is this important? 
Well, it's important to you know to have a quality opponent like Purdue on our schedule. So from us getting ready for what we need to get ready for at the end of the year, it's just another test, a, a really good test. And, of course, the fact that it's at my old high school where I went to high school, Humboldt High School, and Coach Ursland, uh, the head coach at Purdue, is a Humboldt guy. So I think between Coach Beeman, who's the wrestling coach at Humboldt High School, and Coach Ursland, they put their heads together and reached out to me probably almost two years ago. Oh. And I said, yeah, let's go. This would be nice. So it's um, I know they put, I think was last week, I think, yeah, last week, they, they're going to have to do a lottery because obviously – the gym's not going to accommodate all of the, the demand <laughs> to get in the gym. So I know they started a lottery process last week, and I think they're going to be able to get close to 1,500 people in there wow. for that. I think they had 3,000 people sign up the very first you know day. Uh, so I'll let them figure that out. That's the, the problem. I'm glad I don't have. But uh, it'll be a good event. It's going to be December 19th, a Sunday afternoon, I think mm-hmm. late Sunday afternoon, I think. Humboldt's going to wrestle a dual meet earlier that day, and then they're going to clear the gym and bring in the college peeps. Now, your um, your coach in high school, uh, can you re- remember his name? My high school coach uh, is a, was a gentleman named Joe Fitch. He Coach Fitch is deceased now, um, but yeah, he was my high school coach. So you know, somebody that I really respected, a tough guy, like a, just one of those you know kind of old school tough guy coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was fortunate to have that kind of, uh, you know, he trained us really hard and it was right up my alley cause I was, a, I was a weird kid. So, um, <laughs> him and I got along really well. <laughs> I, I think that's the first time in 30 years anybody has identified themselves as a weird kid on this show. And yep. while I don't disagree, I, I guess I didn't know you then, but I will tell you this, you turned out to be a hell of a guy and a hell of a coach. Wow. What you've done yeah, with well, Iowa State has been nothing short of phenomenal. Um, you took over the program when it was 1-13, leaving Virginia Tech in the number three spot. But, Kevin, what you've done is reinvigorated not just the team, not just the legend that is the Cyclones, but you put your own stamp on this thing. And uh, Iowa State is not just uh, a conversational thing, but it's a place that kids are wanting to go again. And uh, it's it's... I'm not going to say recruiting is easy pickings at all because it's a hard job. Recruiting a kid is a hard job because they've got so many choices and that 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 is getting so much deeper, by the way. That water is so much deeper today with the news that more colleges, more universities are putting wrestling back on their schedule in their athletic departments. I think it's a great time to be in the sport. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot more parity. I think there continues to be a lot more parity. There's just a lot of good coaches out there. And you're right, you've got, you know, just even down in the ACC in the last 10 to 15 years, you've got so much commitment at the, um, you know, at the at the top level, at the administrative level. And so they've got good coaches and they're paying coaches well. And, you know, they've got 9.9 scholarships and they're recruiting really well. So that's just an example. And it's across the board, you see, you know, the schools that are in the game right now are pretty invested in it. And so recruiting is a tough business. It is. I mean, when you're going after those blue chip kids, whether it's in I or out of Iowa, um, you, you gotta, you gotta compete. And so, um, that's, that's, uh, I always say coaching is, coaches, coaching is important, but recruiting, getting the right kind of guys to coach is probably more important. Is it, is it, um, me or are there more, uh, blue chip kids available? <laughs> that are, you know, that are out there, not, you know, you, people always talk about the transfer portal and uh, that's active, obviously, but 
fresh out of high school, these kids are being recruited as freshmen. I mean, there are kids that you and your staff are looking at well into the future as to what it looks like in 2003, 2004, 2005. And uh, you've got to keep your finger on on uh, the button, as it were. Uh, but I'm I'm thinking, you know, in, in talking with all the other coaches around the country, you know, everybody's on their game right now. This is the best time for our sport. When we t- when we took on the uh, opportunity to host this show many years ago, uh, what we noticed is that wrestling coaches were down and and they were they had a frown and not a smile. Today it's the opposite. It's more smiles than anything. Is the water deeper? In other words, is the pool that you're drawing from? better today than when you started? Um, yeah, I would say that, um, you know, the kids are just, uh, you know, over time, the kids just come to college much more skilled and, mm-hmm. and trained at a higher level. I think there's just great high school coaching and probably more so than even high school coaching is the club coaching is really good. You've got former college wrestlers um, running clubs and really understand how to train kids. So the skill set is just really good. So, there's a, you know, obviously, there's a lot more technology out there for kids to watch wrestling, even on their phones and right. stuff like that. So kids get, they're just, the information to be good is out there. So if you get those kids with that kind of drive, um, and then, you know, then you got to get them because there's a lot of good coaches out there trying to get them. So um, it's 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 definitely a good time in the sport. I mean, wrestle, wrestling's popularity, uh, you know, not just because of it being wrestling, but social media has helped uh like it does a lot of things, really pushes it out there. There's some good platforms out there that, uh, you know, kids sit around at night and, and, and watch flow wrestling and watch all the stuff that's going on in wrestling. And, what you know, you could watch, you know, everything Jordan Burroughs does. You can watch everything David Carr does. You can watch these guys that are elite and know how they live their life and their philosophies. And so, you know, it's kids that are young can, can get a really good idea what it looks like to be a you know a world-class athlete a world-class a world-class wrestler so um lots of lots of opportunity for these kids right now i'm so grateful that you mentioned jordan burroughs i'm so grateful that <clears throat> jordan is the quality individual that he is his wife their babies uh just a really neat situation there but uh you're in mark manning's shoes and 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 jordan says i'm gonna i'm gonna move east to new jersey or philadelphia um, I gotta believe you're supportive of that if you're a head coach. But at the same time, is it something I said? <laughs> right. You know, I, I, you, to lose an all-star. I mean, this guy, Jordan Burroughs, is the calling card for Nebraska wrestling. Not that Mark is not. I'm just saying. You know, if 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 I were in that position, I'd feel a little bit nonplussed at that. You know, that's that's a scary thing for me because. You hang so much metal on that guy, and he deserves everything he's gotten. Everything. Uh, in his most recent performance at the Worlds. I mean, my goodness sakes, Jordan Burroughs is the greatest wrestler of all time. If you take the women out of the picture, then Adeline Gray, obviously, is the greatest with the most medals. But in terms of men's wrestling, i got to believe Jordan Burroughs is it. Agree or disagree? Oh, I think so. I think he's... You know, definitely made a case. His, his um, longevity is 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 winning that argument. I think right now, just being able to go out there year after year, and I mean, he's been performing at this level for ten years. You think about that; that's a long time to be it is. 
to be a world-class competitor. So there's obviously going to be, there's always some great ones. I mean, John Smith is in that conversation and maybe Bruce Baumgartner, but I think Jordan Burroughs is, he's a great ambassador of sport too, because he's, he's uh humble. Um, and he does everything right. Um, you know, and he's a kid that wasn't a, you know, a one-time state champ out of high school. And, right. And, you know, I remember when I was at Virginia tech, he came, I think he was a freshman and we wrestled him and he came in one of my Virginia tech guys beat him who, you know, never even all American beat Jordan Burroughs in the third period when Jordan was a true freshman. So here's a kid that's had to, to do it, you know, do it the right way. And, and he didn't step in and he wasn't a superstar from the get go. He lost and, and took his lumps and, uh, and, uh, just continued to continue to, to be, you know, a, the student of the sport. And he's always been a professional. And, and when you do that year in and year out, day in and day out, man, you can have a, a career, but he's, he's definitely a special guy. And, I just like the way he carries himself, and I think he probably moved to New Jersey just to put himself maybe in a better training situation because right. he is a professional. So I know that he has a great relationship with Coach Manning in Nebraska, and he's done a lot for that program. But Coach Manning's done a lot for him as well. So um, it just it was a good marriage there. But sometimes you got to put yourself in different situations just to to, uh, to get the job done. And I don't think he probably has a lot of world championships and Olympic championships in front of left in front of him. So. He's got to be selfish to Jordan Burroughs at the same time and make sure he gets those training partners. I know they've got a good thing going out there um, with the RTC he's at right now. I think, I, you know what, I think you're absolutely correct. And I, and I believe that um, the RTCs, even, and I've said this on the show uh, many times, that I did not believe in the RTC idea initially. I thought it was going to be dividing uh, the country and dividing the athletes, but point in fact is giving these athletes a reason to stay around because are they able to make money you bet uh a little more money than they were so they can just do more than subsist subsistence uh, but i believe that the rtcs have served their purpose and are probably uh beyond the wildest dream uh, uh being able to expand the outlook for these athletes we're talking with kevin dresser on the defense soap newsmaker hotline about five minutes left Kevin, um, this event and at Humboldt is a way for you and and Tony Erslin, who will be on the show next week, by the way, um, to to kind of pay back. But why Humboldt? Well, it's easy. We both graduated from there, and so uh, I, I think Tony, I think Tony probably was needs to take the credit a little bit for the idea. Um, so when he pitched it to me, I thought that was a great idea. Probably so much, you know, didn't you know to produce the one that's a little bit out of their comfort zone. I mean, they've got to travel, you know, from the East Coast, essentially, to right. the Midwest to pull this off. So they're going to have some ex more expense into this than we are. And um, uh, But it's a chance. And I think Tony said, hey, do this right before Christmas. You don't have to come back for Christmas. You know, it can be part of your Christmas break. Just come on back. So we tried to time it so it was still functional, I think, for him and his family because I'm sure they'll probably stay in the area and enjoy their families for the Christmas holidays, and then, then he'll get back to Purdue and get back to work. So, I mean, you know, the humble people have, for us, uh, in our regional training center and our program, um, since day one, you know, a lot of the people that I graduated high school with, friends and teammates, just really, you know, from the minute I got hired, we've had an event there every, every uh, summer or fall. And I, we need a golf tournament this year, and they raised 60000 in a golf tournament, you know, a one-day golf tournament. So they've really stepped up and and supported us and supported me, and so I feel like that's the least uh, 
we could do to, to repay them. And you got some loyal wrestling fans in, in Humboldt County, I'll tell you that. When you were growing up and wrestling for Humboldt, even prior to Humboldt High, um, was there a sense of history that you enjoyed with, you know, Humboldt being the hometown of Frank Gotch? Um, in as much as that was catch wrestling, right? Um, was there still a sense of history uh, for you? Yeah, you know, growing up in Humboldt, you kind of you, know, you hear you hear tales of Frank Gotch. So I can remember in the seventies, you know, going into restaurants and and seeing pictures on the wall of Frank Gotch. And so, you know, you live there and you just think everybody's got a wrestling hero in their town, I guess. And so you figure every every restaurant you go to in America's got a picture of some guy. <laughs> um, but Humboldt was unique in that respect, and you, and you don't really figure it out till later when you. You, you really kind of learn about the situation, and you know, here the guy was a world champ, and he's a bet at that time for whatever the, whatever the rules were for the sport of wrestling in in 1900. He was the guy, you know, he was the George Burroughs for for a couple of years there. Um, Humboldt's got a big statue at, at a park of, of Frank Gotch now, and you know, Humboldt had some good teams and some good wrestlers. I can remember growing up going to wrestling matches, and you know, when I was nine, ten, eleven years old, watching kids win state titles for Humboldt, and um, that was very motivating for me as a young kid to get a chance to see some guys that were really good high school wrestlers that went on to wrestle at Iowa State, in fact. So um, just a good place to grow up. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if in the future we see next to uh, the statue of Frank Gotch in Bicknell Park, uh, if we see a statue of of, uh, Kevin Dresser. I don't don't know about that. Well... Let me tell you something. There are those of us in the media that admire you because you have always held the sport. It's almost like separate, but you've always held the sport in high esteem and you treat it with great respect. And for that, Kevin, I thank you. You've always been there for me. You've been here for the sport and for the athletes that uh, sign on to be coached by you and your staff. You've done an outstanding job. And Humboldt High, we're going to be able to see it. uh, And this is going to be a fiery night. I know it is. It's Big Ten versus uh, the Big 12 or the Big 8. Uh, and Iowa State versus Purdue, December 19th. When you told me it's already sold out, I'm thinking, no way. It is. You know, essentially, it's already sold out. So the, the, the demand for tickets is so great that it's almost twice the availability. And there's a reason why. And, Kevin, one of the reasons why is you. And we appreciate you joining us on the program today. We always have a great conversation. Humboldt County with a population of 4,690 people. Think about this. 4,690 people would like to see this event, but only 1,800 or 1,500, rather, uh, are going to be able to see this. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful that, that um, you know, I've been uh, asked to, to announce this event. Actually, I asked to announce the event. <laughs> I said, I want to be there for that. Of course I do. But, Kevin, it's always good to talk to you, my brother. Thank you so much for all you do for our sport and uh, for the kids. You're turning out some great kids. You really, truly are, and some outstanding athletes as well. Oh, Scott, thanks for having me. It's always good to talk to the Cyclones head coach, Kevin Dresser. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, Raphael Soto is a a name, a 13-year-old out of um, Chicago, Illinois. We're going to be talking with Raphael Soto about the importance of Beat the Streets, Uh, and what it's done for him and his life. That's next. You're listening to USA Takedown on ESPN. Stay tuned. USA Takedown is brought to you by Barbarian Apparel and Kaldenberg's PBS Landscaping. Stay tuned. More USA Takedown after this short timeout. 
right, welcome back to the show. It is USA Takedown on ESPN Radio. Scott Casper with you. Kira Jones pushing the buttons, making me sound, well, a little bit better than I usually do. Thank you. <laughs> that's assuming I sound good at all. That's that's is what that I a... call myself. I'm a professionally like certified button pusher. <laughs> you do so. <laughs> Listen, I've been in this business for a long time. You do a very good job. So thank you. All right. Um, recently, Mike Powell... Uh, out of out of uh, Chicago, put up a post on LinkedIn, and it was a video of a young man that uh, obviously gets it. He understands what the sport's about. And um, I called Mike. I said, I, I really want to get this young man on the show because I want him to tell the story that he's been going through. I mean, this is a life well-lived, even at 13 years old. Okay. Monica Griffin and Rafael Soto were two of the 10 Chicago student-athletes selected to participate in the launch of Chicago's comeback, largely regarded as an important initiative designed to raise awareness and support for Chicago sports organizations engaged in positive youth development. If Chicago needs anything right now, they need positivity. Okay, Too many deaths, too many shootings. Uh, Lori Life, but I don't know what the hell she's doing because, quite frankly, she's not raised in a city. That may be political, but I'm, that's my opinion. Uh, Rafael Soto is the uh, heir apparent to some very great wrestlers in the history of the sport in Chicago. He joins us now. Rafael, good morning. How are you? Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm very good, bud. And, you know, the video I saw of you Described a young man who placed very little importance on education. Your future was not as bright as it is today. Um, but at the time, I think you were like a 1.5. I don't want to you know, be too, too sharp in this. But like a 1.5, you've raised it to like a 3.5 GPA. Okay? And, it's, and is, is it the sport uh, that showed you the importance of becoming a good student athlete? Um, yes and no. The the sport, it's only like, like when my coach says, it, it's the carry in front of the horse, you know? It's something that, like, will, will motivate me to do, to take care of everything I got to take care of in order to participate in the sport. So right. by like, raising my grades and, you know, just being disciplined, uh, it, you know, it, it teaches you a lot. No, I didn't. I think my phone, my phone is automatically taking over the conversation. I'm, I'm turning it off. I'm sorry. What the heck is that? <laughs> Raphael Soto, our guest, beat the street Chicago. Um, Raphael, what I noticed is a, uh, a humble individual. That's you. Um, understanding that there is an importance uh, both athletically and academically. Now, I've been around Beat the Street since its founding in New York City. Michael Novogratz put up the seed money for the uh, effort in, in New York. And uh, now there are thousands of kids that have gone through the various programs in and around the city of New York and across the country, indeed, around the world, because there is a Beat the Streets Israel. I don't know if you're aware of that. But um, it's, 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 it's interesting that we have this program uh, at a time when we desperately needed it. Okay, and I think it's just absolutely terrific that you were able to to raise uh, yourself up 
to take this challenge and engage in something that's positive. Um, what was it like for you initially? Because not everybody's a great wrestler right out of the box. What was it like for you? Um, I had a lot of obstacles I had to overcome, you know, uh, just being, 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 um, a kid from Chicago, you got to worry about like factors that you can't control. Right. And at at the same time, you got to take care. Well, I had to take care of my, you know, my, my siblings and school and wrestling, you know, it, it was a lot, but if, I was willing to, to to sacrifice and put in that work, you know. The organization, uh, another organization that is benefiting from you uh, being a part of it is called Sport for Good Chicago. It's an initiative announced uh, as part of Chicago's comeback. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, and that's a campaign encouraging Chicago residents to sign a letter of support calling on legislation and legislators to, and other stakeholders, by the way, to prioritize sustained year-over-year funding for local sport-based youth, youth development programs. This is so important. You know, sometimes we put good money after bad in terms of policing, but in this case, this is an opportunity for Chicago to really shine and you're one of those that has stepped up to the plate. You're ready to swing at each and every pitch. And I love that about you. Um, so you've been wrestling. How old were you when you started? Uh, I, was, I was 15. I started my freshman year of high school. And how old are you now? I am 17. 17. Yeah. I may have said earlier that you were 13. I'm sorry. <laughs> my producer's going, yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> All right, so you're 17 now. What does the future look like now for you in terms of school? Uh, graduation, I'm sure, is in front of you. But after that, is there, is there, is there college? Is there an outlook on uh, uh, furthering your education beyond high school? Yes, sir. Um, right now I have a plan. Well, it's getting planned out right now. But uh, I want to I I get my college degree, my bachelor's in education, become a teacher. So, you know, uh, I'll be a blueprint to those kids who, who need help, like me. Uh, so, you know, I, I want to I give back to the community uh, everything they, they gave to me. Kira, here's, here's what we're looking at. Ready? It's a flower, okay? And it's opening. Slowly but surely it's opening, and we're seeing the beauty of it. And uh, in, in our guest, Rafael Soto, uh, I had a dear friend of mine down in, in uh, Miami, Florida, uh, his name was Soto, Oswaldo Soto. He's a Cuban. And uh, his uncle was the executive producer of the Today Show on NBC. And uh, I tell you what, talk about a driven guy. See, that's what I saw in this video. By the way, if you'd like to see it, uh, I, I invite you guys to look at Rafael Soto on, on uh, YouTube and check out this video because I think you'll be as interested as I was initially uh, in, in talking with him. South side or north side? Um, I was kind of in both. Kinda, um, I was born in the north side, moved a little bit in the south, and then, you know, now I'm up north again. Cubs or Sox? Oh, Sox fans all the way. <laughs> all the way. <laughs> you see, here's, here's my take on this. First time I went to a, a Sox game, they told me to put my head down and run from the car to the stadium. 
<laughs> it was because of the number of shots fired per minute, not per hour, but per minute at that time when I was young, much younger, by the way, um, was was really a big number of, of shots. OK, so just yeah. look out for yourself. Right. But, yeah. uh, I, you know, I, I fell in love with that stadium, you know, and if you think about wrestling and that stadium, Comiskey, the original Comiskey, that was host to 42,000 people watching a I think it was almost a three-hour wrestling match. Not with a whole bunch of people. It was two guys. Okay, Frank Gotch and uh, George Hackenschmidt. Turn of the century. But 42,000 people turned out to watch this at Comiskey Park. And uh, so there's a history. This is not the first time with Iowa saying they're going to wrestle Oklahoma State in uh, Texas at Ranger Stadium. No, no. That's not the first time. The first time was in Chicago, Illinois. The city with broad shoulders. The windy city. By the way, it's windier here in Iowa. <laughs> and, and I'll argue that point. Uh, but I will tell you this. Chicago is a great city. We need to get everybody back on track in Chicago. Hold those that need to be. Hold them accountable. So guys like you can be, uh, you know, that what you're doing is you're carrying a banner, okay, for good sports, good sportsmanship. And... Uh, you know, it's not just a letter of support. This is you actively being out there for the public. What are you hearing from your friends, your family, and uh, those in the community? What are you hearing uh, about your activity? Um, uh, a lot of teachers have told me that uh, I've progressed since freshman year, uh, that, that I've, I've came a long way, and that they're part of me. I love it. You know, and that has a huge impact on me. You see, I was not a math guy. Kira, you may be surprised at knowing that, but uh, I was not a math guy. When am I going to ever need this? Well, guess what? I've needed every single thing I learned, mathematically speaking, for my businesses to thrive and survive. Okay? But okay. What, what was this, uh, what is the academic uh, uh, challenge for you? What do you find yourself engaged in more uh, academically? Um, this year... I'm more engaged in uh, computer science. Uh, something about it is just, you know, it's just interesting to me. But uh, something I, 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 like one subject I don't really like, but I have to do, it would probably be math. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, math. <laughs> so I'm there not it alone. Is. <laughs> I'm not alone. <laughs> Sorry for any mathematicians listening. Math is terrible. It is awful. But we do need it. And it, yeah. it, you can break down a successful business down to mathematics. You truly can. Our guest, yeah. Rafael Soto, uh, Beat the Streets Chicago, Beat the Streets, uh, has been a great launching point. It has shown him the importance of uh, good coaching and what it can do for a young man. Who is your coach, though? I mean, it's not Beat the Streets. It's not Mikey Powell. Who's your head coach? Uh, my head coach is uh, Coach Boyd. Yeah. And... and I understand what he did with you, and then we can repeat this story over and over and over again across the country, and we have. But I think it's so important to reinvestigate that relationship. If you go back to my relationship with Isaiah Bird, he's got no legs, okay? Mm. And became one of the top uh, 30 for 30s on ESPN that I was involved with. And... Uh, what what his coach does is pick him up in the morning, puts right. him on puts him on the 
the counter in the bathroom so he can brush his teeth, comb his hair, all that. And then takes him, takes him to school, coaches him for wrestling practice or a meet, and then takes him home again. Without him, without that coach, this kid doesn't have a prayer. Why well, Isaiah Bird has turned out to be a real gem of a kid, but more than anything, so important to the very fabric that is our sport. And I, I have a feeling that your place in our sport is that fabric. In other words, that's exactly why we do what we do, because you are that good. I mean, it's not like you're going to go out and win every match, but by God, you're going to put everything you've got into it. Where does that come from? Um, it all comes from hard work. You know, it's um, what my coach says, what is your why? Why, why do you do stuff? Why do you, you know, wake up in the morning? Mm -hmm. why, why, why do you train so much? It all draws back to, to you, you know, to your inner self. And it's not... Uh, I want to put a finer point on this. It doesn't matter about your zip code, your race, your gender identity, family income level. None of that really matters. No, what is the person like that you're wrestling? What is the person like that you're coaching? Okay, what are they getting out of it? If you go, if you do a deep dive, okay, into who Rafael Soto is, you're going to find an intensely likable young man, but also somebody you want to see succeed. And I can't say that about every kid I meet. Okay, yeah. now, the study I've done on you, and on Monica Griffin and others who through Beat the Street Chicago, is is endearing to me because. I was that kid. I was raised in my dad's gas station. Okay, so the challenge for me was nobody in my family ever went to college. But why, why not? Nobody ever invited me to go to college. But I went. And the difference it made in my life was night and day. And Raphael, I've got to believe that beat the streets and uh, your, your high school coach and the sport. Definitely the sport has been a huge difference maker for you. Why is that? Um, it kept me on track. You know, I had, I had something to, to, to prove. Um, I, had to, I had to play in, in a role, you know. I had to take over, you know, leadership. And I just... How, how would I say this? <laughs> Sometimes we don't have words. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a little nervous right now. That's okay, brother. I mean, you're doing great, Rafael. I, I will say this. Sports-based youth development programs help those that are involved, the participants, if you will, develop social, emotional skills. And there's something you don't hear a lot of, social, emotional skills. When do you turn it on? When do you turn it off? And how does it work for you? And, and you see this, Kira, right? Yeah, and honestly, <laughs> Raphael, I'm I'm gonna level with you. You have been one of our like best interviews in a while. Number one, number two. Right. I've listened to interviews with like pro sports guys, and they don't have nearly the, the ability, energy right? and charisma that you have right now. So good for <laughs> You've you. You got nothing to be nervous about, man. You're doing great. And she's very critical. I get, you know, three, four-page letters of critique after every single show. <laughs> Raphael, at 17 years old, are you starting to think about college? Perhaps you've already made a decision. 
but Northwestern's in your backyard. The, the, the City College of, of Chicago, you know, they got a wrestling program. But and, and, and elsewhere, I'm I'm, not, I'm just focused on what's in in your immediacy. But is there a place you would like to go? Um, I've kind of kind of looked at a, a few colleges. One co college right there in uh, Cigar Radar, I yeah. think, and in, in Iowa. You bet. Um, and I looked a couple around the, the state, but I kind I kind of want to like. Go go out of state, and you know okay. it's, it's the whole college experience. You know, think about Wartburg. Wartburg recently made the announcement just a few days ago that they're adding a women's program on top of their 14 national titles as a team for the men. Now they're going to do the same thing with women's. Okay, and that right. program up there continues to grow. Great town and great uh, institution. You might want to think about Wartburg, okay? Just throwing that out there. If you need a letter of recommendation, throw my name around. Okay? Use it for all it's worth. Just take it and use it because I'll, I'll guarantee you I'm going to be in your corner until the day you graduate. Thank you. Thank Rafael you. Soto, you drive me, brother. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you being on the show today. Uh, thank you for having me. And, and tell the coaches, I said, hey, would you please, because what they're doing, not just for you, but for the tens of hundreds of kids that they come in contact with, they are driving the future of Chicago student-athletes. Yes, sir. I will. All right. Do you have to go back to class? Uh, right now, we're in, we're in our fourth period. <laughs> Your fourth period? Yeah. <laughs> I forget about periods. I just remember going to school and then leaving. <laughs> Anyway, Raphael, God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us on ESPN. Thank you. Thank you for having me. There we go. Raphael Soto, a fine young man. The story is incredible. And if you want to go on LinkedIn, look up Mike Powell, okay, wrestling coach, uh, Chicago. Uh, and you'll, you'll see the, the post that he put up about Raphael Soto. It's a great video. But more than anything, it will inspire you to do what I do, and that is to tell the story of our sport to as many possible as I can. Okay, this is a campaign of life. This is a campaign as we play, we heal, we grow. You know what? That's exactly what we hope wrestling can be for guys just like Raphael. All right, stay tuned. There's more on the other side. This is USA Takedown on ESPN. Stay tuned. Casper will be right back with more USA Takedown. everybody. It is USA Takedown on ESPN Radio. Scott Casper with you. Kira Jones uh, producing the program as always. Thank you, Kira. Um, we've got an event coming up in Jefferson, Iowa that I'm very proud to be a part of. I'll be doing play-by-play uh, -play on the pay-per-view. And that is Extreme Maximus Boxing, Kickboxing event that will take place on the 30th of this month. Okay? So, is it, yeah, I think I'm right. And um, we'll be doing the radio show there live next Friday, as a matter of fact. Today being the, what, 22nd? So it's next Friday. And uh, one of the guys I really enjoy picking the brains of, I learned so much about the gaming industry, the entertainment industry from our next guest. He's Travis Dvorak. Good morning, Travis. How are you? <coughs> morning, Scott. How are you doing? <coughs> well, I'm getting a little choked up just talking to you. <laughs> anyway, welcome. Yeah, uh, to, back to, <laughs> yeah. So we had Kevin Dresser on. 
who spoke fondly of uh, your invitation, and he took you up on the invitation to speak to the Rotary Club. And um, I said, you know, generally speaking, to get, you know, so many guys, so many people interested in the lunch, they come. I said, you double the, uh, uh, the patronage of the Rotary. In other words, they brought more people in because Kevin Dresser was in the house. Why is that? Well, uh, it did happen when we said Kevin Dress was coming. I think we had twice people show up at normal, so that part's absolutely true. If you ever had a chance to listen to Kevin Dresser, the coach Dresser there, you can understand why. That guy is just, if you and I sat down and talked about all of his accomplishments in wrestling, you and I'd be talking for an hour, and I think he did everything. And then he's such a motivational speaker, and he's such a great guy and down-to-earth and after you get done talking to him, you just want to go out and start wrestling. And uh, right. the guy, just he's just cream of the crop, is he not? Yeah, it definitely is, and what a, a terrific conversation we had earlier. We're talking with Travis Dvorak, Wild Rose Casino and uh, uh, Resort in Jefferson. Uh, we'll be there, and I hope you join us. We're going to be at the bowling alley for the weigh-ins on Friday night. Then Saturday, we're doing a pay-per-view event live from the green room. And uh, this is, I think, the first time we've done a pay-per-view, right? This is our very first pay-per-view, um, and which I think is great. But, you know, if you live in Des Moines, just drive up here. We're an hour away. Um, it's, it's better live. But, yeah, pay-per-view. And um, this is kind of a new step for us. Monty has got together this guy from Bruce Boxing. I got this extreme uh, Bruce Mack. Or Bruce Mack. I'm in the wrong fourth <laughs> Holy cow. Anyway. Maximus Boxing and then Extreme MMA. So they got this Extreme Maximus going on, and they're growing, and they're growing fast because boxing is starting its comeback again. And, right. And now we're doing pay-per-view, which I think is really cool. And I think uh, we're working with a couple sports betting companies so people might be able to bet on these uh, fights. Oh, wow. I think that's still in the works. But, yeah, it's really moved up here, and I'm really – I mean, just talking to Monty, you know, he's been doing MMA for, what, 20, 30 years? Yeah, about that, about 30. <laughs> Which is the boxing, cause that's where it is. And um, I'm glad to see it, because 23 years ago, I used to love boxing, so it's nice to see it's comeback. You've got a fighter on the uh, card who has a wonderful name. He's Ryan Antle, his nickname, Dirty. Okay? Now, if there's a guy whose name absolutely uh, exemplifies who he is and who he sees himself, you know, the referee's going to have his own job uh, that <laughs> night because if he's Ryan Dirty Antle, is a veteran fighter by all standards, eight-year professional MMA career with a record of 16 and 13, and he's going to be stepping in to uh, the ring, the cage, for uh, about with one of the most experienced fighters in the history of mixed martial arts. That's Jeremy Horn. Okay, yeah. we, we initially had uh, Jeremy on a card... I think in July, and for whatever reason, that didn't happen. But this one looks to have all the uh, trappings of an outstanding fight. What are your thoughts? I, I had the pleasure to see Jeremy Horn do kickboxing last year in the Quad Cities. Okay. And we knew he had good feet because he was a really good striker with his feet when he was in MMA. And, of course, I'm rooting for him because him and I are the same age, so I've got to root for him like that. <laughs> But, oh, my God. I mean, watching these MMA fighters. But, you know, his MMA fighter, his feet and his, his hands are fast. And this yeah. guy's a striker. And he's just that it factor tough on top of it all. Um, I haven't seen his opponent yet, but I've seen Jeremy. And you're not going to take him down. The best you can do is hope to last and maybe get a decision. But I don't know how that's going to be. 
You know, these two, and I'm talking about uh, Jeremy Horn and Ryan Antle, they have a little bit of a history already. When Antle started training at the Militich gym, I'm talking about Pat Militich yep. in the Quad Cities, the, uh, Horn was already there, and he was already fighting around the world. Yep. At some of the biggest events in the history of our sport. You know, that, that says to me that they know a little bit about each other. Perhaps he watched Horn a little more than Horn was watching him. But, I mean, how do you not like Horn in this fight? I mean, I, if I'm going to put money on it, I'm going to put it on a Horn. You know, Horn, again, he's some of these athletes, when they get that level one, I call it the it factor. I know I used that word earlier, but he just has that. Yeah. He's, he's tough in every aspect. And once he decided to get into MMA and into boxing, he's been training strictly for this, and that's been his focus for the past month and actually boxing, kickboxing for the past year. And when you put that type of athlete with that type of mentality, with that type of focus, you go back to when Jeremy started, okay? Uh, his MMA record recognized is 92, 22, and 5. 92 professional fights. And there, yeah. are, there are several fights. I guarantee you this. There are several more fights that were never recorded because it was the infancy of MMA. Who, who at the time thought MMA would live out the day, let alone you know, a guy like Horn have a career in it? But he's done that. He's fought for two UFC championships, fights against some of the sports elite competitors, like my buddy Randy Couture, Dan Severn, The Beast, Chuck yep. Liddell, Frank Shamrock, Anderson Silva, Forrest Griffin, Matt Lindland, Bob Sobral, and uh, Gilbert Ivel, to only name a few in what is a rather elite group. Would you agree? How do you argue that? I don't. How do you yeah, argue that? Yeah, I mean... How do you put yourself in that conversation, number one, and how do you sustain that? Okay, that, that just shows I, you how tough he is to go through that many fights over that many years and not make quality fights against that many quality fighters. Right. You know, not too many men can do that. Saturday, October thirtieth, will ring the bell that evening. The thing about Jeremy, he still looks as good as he does. He doesn't beat up guy or nothing. No, he's my age, but he doesn't look it. Right. He looks prime time still. That's what I mean. He just got something that you and I don't have. The it factor. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll not take that personally. But okay, <laughs> I have. Sorry. <laughs> you were a Marine. I wasn't. <laughs> I did two weeks of uh, basic in San Diego with the Marines. And believe me, I ain't a Marine. Okay. <laughs> I can only aspire to the greatness that is the United States Marine Corps. But wow. I learned, I learned a lot those two weeks. I truly did. Extreme Maximus Boxing. Doors are opening at 4.30. Why so early? We're going to do a little earlier this time. I think all the fighters want to do a little earlier. We're going to open at 4.30. First fight's at 5.30. I think right now we've got nine fights, so we think this can go two, three hours. And that way we can go do this, have a little bit of party. And, we'll, you know, I'm too old to stay up till the hours in the morning, so we'll just start early. Oh, that's you're the decision maker <laughs> in that regard. Well, that's my decision. <laughs> and tickets are available nitrotickets.com. Nitrotickets.com, also the extreme maximusboxing.com for all pay per view information. We're talking with Monty, not Monty, I'm sorry, we're talking with Tra Travis Dvorak. Monty Cox, when he called me yesterday about 6 30 in the morning, remember he's on Michigan time, and yeah. asked if I would do the play by play. And so you got me. I'm, I'm in. I'm going to be there anyway. You bet I'll do that. So I think I'm going to have to wear a tie. 
Oh, this is going to be great. Everybody who, uh, hopefully everybody can come up and make it, but if you can't, go to pay-per-view. If you do, you get to listen to Scott's voice call the fight. Yeah. It's as good as being there. I don't know who my color analyst is, but they tell me he's good, and I'm going to rely on that. Well, it's not me, so it's got to be good. Jeremy Horn, at 46 years old, still wants to fight and still wants to compete. And how do you turn a guy like that down? He still has it. You know, when you see him, uh, and you can Google Jeremy Horn, by the way. You can Google him or YouTube him and uh, see him in his prime. I think he's still there in his prime, and boxing is giving him yet another challenge. And I like that. That's how he sees it. But that's you... how, if you talk to Mike, that's how he wanted it. He didn't want an easy fight. He wants to be challenged. That's right. amazing about him. That's by his request. You've been a promoter. You know how some fighters don't want the easy fight or the bad fight. They want the easy fight in front of the crowd. Right. Jeremy says, bring it on. And to give you this quick story about Jeremy Horn, I think it was last year, Monty was telling me, within a 90-day period, Jeremy did three fights. One was MMA, one was kickboxing, one was boxing. All in 90 days. I thought that was amazing at age 45, 46. And then, but it's, some people have that physique, that body yeah. style, that body type where a, a little bit of time in the gym will equal a lifetime in the gym for me, okay? Yeah. And he's one of those guys, physically very imposing. He's a bigger guy, and uh, he can absolutely grapple for sure. But boxing, I can't wait to see him throw the heavy gloves in the cage in Jefferson at Wild Rose Casino. The event will be headlined by uh, Jefferson native Johnny Case, who this, I think, is his last event before he returns to Japan. Uh, where he's under contract uh, for mixed martial arts. But he is really getting a kick out of this. I mean, this challenge has put a fresh face on his career. Yeah, he's taking on this really good uh, Golden Glove guy out of Indiana. Joe Boris. Yep, the Indiana guy says he's going to knock Case out. <laughs> um, I, I mean, he can't a Golden Glove, don't get me wrong. I, I don't question his ability, but, boy, I saw Case last time. and yeah, He's an MMA guy, but he's got such... And we knew he was a grappler, obviously, being a high school wrestler. But he has fast hands, and he he was impressive. In fact, Monty and I had a conversation last week, and Case is one of those fighters that if he wanted to switch over to boxing, he could have a very successful career in boxing. I'm grateful that he switched up management. Okay. For me, Jeremy, uh, uh, Johnny Case was, was held back by management. I believe we're seeing the best of Johnny Case right now. I agree. And uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm going to be working for him and his partner uh, in December. No, in November. Later in the month of November, it's the throwdown, Thanksgiving throwdown uh, at Valley Ballroom. And uh, they called up, would you consider announcing? Well, heck yeah. You're Johnny Case. Of course I will. Yeah, but, he, he was impressive. He's not just impressive as a fighter. He's impressive as a person. The more we get to know him, the better we like him. And yeah. Jefferson has been long uh, appreciative of his career, but now they're getting to see it firsthand. It had been a number of years since, since Johnny had uh, performed in front of a hometown crowd. And it was Jefferson's own Wild Rose Casino that gave him that opportunity. <clears throat> it's it's kind of cool to go into the hardware store and there's Johnny Case. You yeah. know, MMA star. Yes, but he's shopping at the at the, at the uh, you know the Savon of grocery store, or whatever. The point is, he's he's just a regular guy who happens to be able to fight and compete at the highest level. 
And I love that. And it's this fight, October 30th, by the way, Wild Rose Casino and Hotel. It's Halloween Fight Fest, promoted by Extreme Maximus Boxing Promotions. Doors open at 4.30 with the first fight scheduled to get underway at 5.30. Again, tickets are available from participating fighters and online at nitrotickets.com. A live pay-per-view option is available, so make sure you check that out at Extreme Boxing, ExtremeMaximusBoxing.com for pay-per-view information. Um, in terms of entertainment, do we have any concerts that have been rolled out recently? Well, this is the big one for now. I'm going to have uh, we're going to have a magician on New Year's Eve. Oh, magician comedian, excuse me, comedian New Year's Eve. David Anthony, we've had him before. He's really good, so that'll be our for our New Year's Eve celebration. Otherwise, we're starting to look at stuff now. We know kind of still navigating through COVID and stuff, sure. but it's always hard for anybody to make a commitment, and you understand that. But we've got a few commitments out there, and then um, well, we're going to be cautious. Once we get completely out of this COVID, we will get completely out of this COVID. We're going to start doing more and more concerts. And this, by the way, this fight is not going to be easy for either opponent in the in the co-main event, Antle versus Horn. Matter of fact, Horn is on the record saying he expects a close fight because he knows about Antle. And he describes Antle as not an easy opponent. Yep, I agree. I now, now uh, you said this was a Halloween, Halloween, what was it? Halloween Fight Fest. Got it. Yeah. It's not a Halloween event unless people are in costume. Are people going to be in costume? Are you going to be in costume? Am I going to be in costume? You, uh, Travis, whoever, Travis, whoever wants to answer. I'll wear a tuxedo if you do. What do you think? Well, I thought you and I could be like, a tag team, and we could be the old body Donnas or something. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I, I will tell you a, a real Get short story. I loaned my limousine to Sonny, who was at that time managing the body Donnas, okay? Yeah. And it was at Bet Auditorium. And um, I loaned her this car, and I got the car back, and there were several magazines in the car, this, this limo. And I kept one of the magazines because my nephew had an eight-page pictorial in the magazine. Okay, he was at that time the uh, Calvin Klein male model, and uh, I kept that magazine. The very next day, she corners me at Vesa Auditorium and just starts screaming at me that I was a thief. Blah 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 blah. We all know about her career uh, <laughs> after she left the WWE. But the point is, she was yelling at me for stealing her magazine. Meanwhile, I'd given her a limo to take to uh, Omaha, so she didn't have to hire one. I just gave her mine. Over and, a magazine? Yeah, over what a magazine. What magazine was it? Oh, it's probably, I, I don't remember the name. Uh, it was like a men's magazine. Uh, but it was great pictorial. Um, I, I don't re remember what it was, but she was really legitimately upset. So fast forward to later in the evening, I'm trying to settle it up with her, make sure she's okay. And I come up behind this blonde lady, and I start telling her that I'm so sorry, you know, that this happened. And uh, she, she turns around, and it's not... Sonny, it's Sable, who eventually marries Brock Lesnar. At the time, she was dating Mark Miro. But you think about from the back, they both look very similar. <laughs> Once you turn around, there's a huge difference. <laughs> Travis, always good to talk to you, my brother. Thank you so very much. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing it uh, come the end of the month. I'm glad we're promoting this thing as far out as we are, because quite frankly, it deserves everything we're talking about. It's going to be a great night. Oh, it's going to be great. I'm glad you're part of it. All right, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. By the way, also fighting on the card, Diego Zinega of Des Moines, who shined in his pro debut, Wild Rose Casino, back in July. 
And uh, in talking with him, he's he is eager and ready to go. And I'm looking forward to that. Thanks, Travis. All right. Thank you. There we go. Travis Dvorak. Uh, our number one has been brought to you by Trent Weatherman, your Northwestern Mutual Financial Consultant, and by here.com forward slash Casper. Great hearing aids, great devices, great prices, but even better, outstanding customer service. Okay, that's here.com forward slash Casper. If you need a hearing device, a hearing aid, by God, these folks are the ones that will take care of it. They're, they're number one for a reason. It's here.com. All right, schedule up uh, in the next hour. We're going to go to Oslo, Norway with Martin Hamlet. Going to be fighting for a million bucks. NFL great and uh, former world champion Stephen Neal, uh, live from San Diego. And Dylan Wanigo will go from coast to coast. Dylan will be joining us live from New Jersey. Stay tuned. There's more. This is USA Takedown, only on ESPN. You know you like it. Have no fear. The True American will be right back with more USA Takedown. All right, welcome back to hour number two of the big program. And uh, this show does not produce itself. No. Kira's on the phone dialing people up and putting people in queue. That's what they say in London, by the way. They put people in queue. Yeah, in queue. Uh, to put them on the show. This portion of our show brought to you by Barbarian Apparel and our friends at Defense Soap. Um, you know, Joe Rogan likes Defense Soap. By God, so should you. He's a $100 million guy. I wonder what he invested all that money in. And I would ask this, you know, of our next guest. Martin Hamlet is uh, actually Martin Hamlet Nielsen is joining us now. And I believe, I believe he's at, um, Martin, are you in Florida right now? Can you hear me? Yes, you sound great. Are you in Florida? Yeah, I'm in Florida. America's I'm in Florida right now. Are you training at America's Top Team? No, I'm not, not training at my opponent's place. Okay, all right. But uh, I'm, uh, I'm training around the area with, uh, with a friend down from here. Our intention was to do this interview uh, several weeks ago when the United States and many other countries were wrestling in Oslo, Norway. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that wasn't a, we for whatever reason, we couldn't pull that off. But uh, now you're stateside getting ready to, uh, for the PFL 2021 championships, and you're going to be yeah. using, you're going to be fighting, forget this, $1 million. How exciting yeah. is that? Yeah, it, it's very great to be fighting for $1 million and the championship belt because I'm doing sport for a very long time and it's been a lot, a lot of up and down. And, uh, yeah, the road has been difficult uh, to get to where I am today and um, to finally be here in the the championship final and uh, to compete about that kind of money, that that's life-changing. You know, when I'm talking to Martin here, it's, honestly, it sounds like George St. Pierre. It's, it's exactly. <laughs> when we had last time we had George on the show, he was driving through the uh, the drive-through at uh, at McDonald's, and he was oh. getting he was getting an apple juice and a uh, a muffin. <laughs> and no apple juice and muffin for me today. <laughs> Martin, how how tall are you, and what is your weight? Uh, I'm at like uh, competing at 205, but walk around 225. Okay. Uh, the high I only know in centimeters, 
so it's like one one hundred and uh, yeah, one hundred eighty-eight uh, centimeters. And mixed martial arts uh, throughout the United Kingdom, throughout the uh, uh, continent of Europe. Uh, how big is it over there? You know, it, uh, mixed martial arts is still illegal in Norway to compete as a professional, but um, but it's really really big. Uh, everybody's talking about it, and it's a uh, huge passion passion about it. So. Yeah, it's it's a big sport there. Now, Tani Cox has been, you know, telling me all about you and that I'm going to love interview. And quite frankly, I'm loving this interview already. But you're using the love from your kids as a motivation to win. Why is that? No, um, um, to I, I drag them everywhere to to, to get them to get uh, the training done, to get everything done. Everything I do is like um, to, to be the best uh, athlete and, and to win this. And they, they are also suffering, you know, because, uh, because I need to, I need to yeah, take them with me and uh, they, <laughs> they have to schedule the day around me. So to be, to be able to give them something back and, and um, yeah, provide for them and, and give them opportunities that, Many, many doesn't have. Um, that's a that's a blessing to to just have children. It's a blessing, and to be able to do this, it it feels very, very. I'm very thankful to to have this opportunity to, to change the life for a life for them. You know what encourages me about the PFL Pro, Professional Fighters League? What encourages me is that they are putting their money where their mouth is, where the UFC could have done this years ago. Yeah. Okay. They're not, and the PFL is. We're talking about six recognized champions and six million bucks walking out the back door that night. Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy good opportunity. It's a crazy good um, promotion, and um, the, the best thing is that as an athlete, you uh, always know when your matches is, and um, and that's also good to know when you have incomes and stuff like that, and not be waiting for uh, will I have a fight or will I not. You know, it's 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 good to have that uh, opportunity, and PFL um, has been treating me very well since day one, and um, are professional in in every aspect of the game. So I've been competing for a very long time, and never seen something like this. And the light heavyweight category, by the way, that class, that weight class, very competitive. Last fight you had was August twenty seventh. Okay, now I think. What Dana does in the UFC, he likes his fighters to fight no more than four or five times a year. That's it. Keeps them hungry. That's that's his thought pattern. Yeah. You know, Dana's been on the show many times, and I've yeah. always disagreed with that because you know you look at guys that are great promoters, okay, of themselves mm. and the business. Those are mm. the guys that are active. You want them active, and Martin, that's what we're looking at with you. We want to see you fight. We want to see you win. Your record of eight and two, and no draws, by the way, which I really love. But eight and two <laughs> says an awful lot about your meteoric rise to fame for this main event. A million yeah. bucks. How old were you when you started to fight? Uh, can you repeat that? The last. Yeah. How old were you when you started in the fight game? Uh, when I, I started wrestling when I was uh, five years old. And uh, then, literally competing almost every weekend 
until I made it to the national team, and then then you have the European and World Championship you prepare for. So then it was a little less than some uh, events, but it was maybe maybe every year I competed like 15, 20 times. Okay. Uh, when I was on the national team, and then I started MMA back in 2016 after the Olympic uh, Rio qualification and. Yeah, I decided that I I want to go for MMA. I I did more four more years to to try for the Olympics in Tokyo. You know, and the Tokyo Olympics made everybody understand that wrestling in the United States is only getting better. I don't know what yeah. you're hearing over there, but when Jordan Burroughs goes into an arena in Iran, they give him a standing ovation, not because yeah. he's from America, because that is their sport. That's their national sport. And they respect the heck out of that guy. Do you know about yeah. Jordan Burroughs over there? Yeah, yeah, we know, of course. I I know a lot of um, all the athletes here. Uh, but the, the big difference between Norway and the uh, U.S. is like in Norway, we only have Greco-Roman. So that's the big thing. And in the U.S., you, you have both. But, of course, U.S. is uh, is the best in the in the freestyle. Right. And And... and for those of you that don't really understand the history of the sport, it was Greco first, then freestyle. Okay? Yeah, so Greco, you're not allowed to take the legs and stuff. Right. And freestyle, you have. So uh, in Norway, we only do the Greco-Roman. The, the, the Greco-Roman wrestling is a little bit bo more boring, uh, more power and not so much technique as uh, the freestyle. Um, phone only. I got... <laughs> We're going to be going to the East Coast here in a little bit with Dylan Wanigill in uh, New Jersey. He's got a big wrestling event coming up. He used to be with Madison Square Garden. It was called Grapple at the Garden. Now it's the Garden yeah. State Grapple. And uh, uh, we're going to be talking with him about that. Do you pay attention? See, over there in Europe, you, people often think about, you know, the, the. by the way, my country of origin is Norway. Okay, and I'm proud to say that. But, yeah. uh, and you said it first that Norway is pri primarily concerned with uh, Greco-Roman. Matt Lindland, who's our team coach for Team USA in Greco, has been you know, in the fight for a long time. And uh, to say that he's struggling uh, to put the best athletes on the mat is to sell it a little bit short because he is. And that's the sad part. You've been made to choose between freestyle and Greco, one or the other, and that's it. You're not allowed to do both. Well, we've got yeah. this young man from uh, from Ohio that uh, absolutely set the world on fire when he won a freestyle gold medal at 14 years old and then went on to compete in Greco, took a bronze. Yeah. And that is that is so hard to do, is it not? Yeah, it's, it's hard because it's, it's a big difference uh, about the styles. But um, but uh, U.S. is... I feel the culture is for freestyle wrestling. Right. They are best at the freestyle wrestling. Greco Roman, they they were very good in the Europe of that. But I um, I met the Matt Lindland in uh, in uh, Cuba uh, back in 2012 uh, when we was preparing for the uh, London Olympics, and he was then he started to coach the the Greco team. A great guy. Oh, Matt is a top drawer. You know, if he's if, if he he's a, a a tremendous whitewater competitor, and I'm talking about canoes, uh, whitewater rafting, all of that. Matt is very very competitive, no matter what he's competing in. We're talking with Martin Hamlet. He's going to be fighting for a million bucks 
coming up here uh, in just in, in, in a few short days, getting ready for it. Do you feel the pressure, or is that something one puts on him, on oneself? So that's the best thing I've um, I done before is uh, is the experience for competing because this doesn't feel any different from the other fights or the other competition in wrestling or MMA. It feels like it's it's another fight for me. So uh, I I need to I need to win. I need to to be at my best and and that's all that's in my mind every every time I fight. So. So it's exactly the same. Um, the one thing I really enjoy about it is like it, it's dragging more attention, right? And um, and I really love that that part. And uh, this is this is my moment to break through, to to yeah, to make people see how how really good I am. Not just back in Norway, but but for the whole world. And and legitimately, in the sport of mixed martial arts, you can do that. Okay. Not everybody's going to be as contentious as uh, Ben Askren, for example, online on social media and calling Dana White out. No, not everybody's going to do that. You know, no. Ben is Ben. <laughs> I, think <that's, laughs> I think that's the best way to describe him. Now yeah. retired, thank God. But um, you know, as good as he was, he was not an exciting fighter. Okay, I gave him his first fight, and I told him that. I said, "You're not an exciting fighter." He wanted no. three hundred extra bucks that night. Uh, because he won his fight. Well, I put Bobby yeah. Douglas in his corner. Who's who's not going to be great if you got Bobby Douglas in your corner? But um, you know, he's just not an exciting fighter. What I like to see is a guy that can literally stay on his feet, take a few shots, but give back everything and then some. Martin, what is your strength in terms of mixed martial arts? I think the what I haven't be able to show yet is. The, the mix-up when when it's stand-up and wrestling, but it's of course, if you have seen my fights, it's um, it's a lot of actions in the fights. Uh, it's uh, going both ways. Like right. none, none of my uh, fights uh, in KFL have uh, gone all three rounds, and I don't believe my final uh, will also go to the five rounds. So yeah, it will probably be a finish. Before before the fight ends and um, or the time goes out, and is it five but, uh, five minute rounds? It's it's uh, two extra rounds for the championship. Okay. So uh, I'm have been preparing for 25 minutes, but I don't believe the match will go to the distance. No, it's not. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm also in this, you know, to to have an exciting fight because um, if I want to have a Stick to boring uh, thing, then I will just stick to Greco-Roman wrestling. Uh, you understand me? You bet. No, that, here, here's the great thing about the company you're fighting for. Okay, they have absolutely, and Couture will tell you this. Okay, they have absolutely put the fighters first. Yeah, and that is yeah. so important. Yeah, it's it's really important, and 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 it's it's good um, how they treat us as well. But uh, to be able to to go four four fights in in uh, in five months that's uh, that's that's uh, hard and that's amazing as well so uh, yeah I'm You're I'm really thankful to be here. <laughs> Tony said that's payday. <laughs> that's payday. That's and payday, that's, baby. Uh, that's the best thing because then you know you know when you have to be in shape, but right. you know also when 
when you have fights and, and they can bring uh, some money to your family. And a professional fighter is going to walk around similar to his fighting weight, so you don't have to cut, 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 or float. Float the weight yeah. in a tub of hot water. But what, you know, I think this is what I like about the PFL. We can count on the PFL to offer competition for the greatest athletes. Clarissa Shields is on this card, and uh, we've got men and women who obviously are some of the level best in the world. And you're right up there, Martin. Now, this is, if you look at your record saying eight and two, well, how many times was Randy Couture a world champion? Five times. Two different weight classes, right? Light, heavy, and heavy. And, uh, but then you look at his overall fight record, it's not that many fights. You know, this, no. is, this is a window of opportunity that they're affording you. And by, let's face it, in, in return, you're affording them a great performance and you are prepared to win. And yeah. I can't say that's that about uh, every fighter. That's, uh, that's the, the thing about wrestling and MMA because people forget that when I have been competing, I'm, I'm um, two times. Uh, Two times uh, world and European medalist, so you know I have been competing against the best, the Olympians. You know, right. I've been the uh, wrestling Totro, I've been Olympic champions. So, but that that's people don't recognize it, and because it's not in MMA, and and especially in Norway, we don't like uh, promote so much wrestling. Right. And and still, the world is not promoting the wrestling. So people when. I, I mean, wrestling is one of the hardest sports <laughs> you can ever do. Yes. You you go you travel around the world. You're competing so much and training so hard. And and what we get if you win, you get nothing. Especially in Norway, you you, you <laughs> yeah. just get a clap on the shoulder. <laughs> and and that's but I have been a favorite in the sport. I, when I won, I have been a favorite, and I have been <laughs> losing in the sport. So you know, I have been in every kind of situation right. in that sports can drag you into, and and people don't they seem a two, and they they think ah he, he's you know he doesn't have so many fights, but my experience is way 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 more than the other guys. Amen. So oh sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, we have about a minute left here, but um, I am fascinated. By language, I oh me too. I took like eight years of German, which I know is not the language they speak in Norway. But how <laughs> how would we how would we wish you good luck in your fight in your in your native language? language. You say Lickitil. Um, Lickitil. Uh, yeah, Lickitil is good luck in uh, in Norwegian. Okay. Well, best of luck. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As, as you know, I also understand uh, my wife is uh, half Thai, so I also understand some. I'm also fascinated about language wise. I'm trying to learn some Thai now, so in Thai it's Shakti. <laughs> you know, you know who else is a linguist? Randy Couture. He speaks really? fluent. Ger yeah, he speaks fluent German. Yeah, nice. and Martin. It's great to get to know you, my friend. Thank you so much for the interview Thank time you. today. Thank but you. I wish you only the best. And uh, Thank you. And to understand Tani Cox when she says that you are her favorite to work with, I understand now why. Thank you. I will give her a hug now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll look forward to the positive results after your main event and a million dollar Thank check. You. Okay, buddy. Yeah, we have to catch up another day. I appreciate that, but it's okay, always good to you. talk Take to care. another wrestler. Thank you so thank you much. Thank you very, very much. Martin Hamlet Nielsen out of Oslo, Norway, or Asgardstrand, uh, Norway. That's uh, his, his place of birth. 
but he is definitely fighting out of Norway, a wrestler and a mixed martial artist. When we come back, we're going to be hooking up with uh, a three-time Super Bowl competitor and one of my buddies, a great big son of a gun in Stephen Neal. He'll be joining us next, live from uh, San Diego, Florida. This is USA Takedown on ESPN. You know, in the world of sports, it's okay to have people you look up to, people that you aspire to, people that have a reputation of being one of the good guys or good gals, okay? My next guest is just that. He's a, uh, been a friend of mine for a good number of years. We've ate together. <laughs> We've drank together. We've had a good time knowing each other. I, I hope he feels the same way about me. But October 9th of 1976, when he was born... A legend began to develop even at that time. He is Stephen Matthew Neal. Stephen Neal is our guest. Stephen, good morning. How are you? Uh, doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. It's always good to talk to you, Stephen. You know, you have always been just one of the guys. Even though you're a giant of a man, even though your uh, demeanor in the sport of wrestling has been uh, n nothing short of fantastic. In other words, you are very good at wrestling. Was there a tipping point for you in the sport of wrestling where y you decided, hey, you know, I could really be good at this, and then you really started to turn the clock? I mean, was there a time when you weren't quite so good, or was, were you always good because of maybe a, 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 you, you were just taller or bigger than your opponents? Yeah, so I didn't start wrestling until ninth grade. <clears throat> I didn't really know anything about the sport, but I was challenged. It was tougher than football, so I accepted the challenge. And being the stubborn person that I am, <laughs> I wouldn't admit to my friend that it was tougher till the after the season. <laughs> so I really was not very good at all. Um, CIF is like the first round uh, going to state, and um, I never even won a match till my junior year in the CIF tournament. Oh so my! I think in like that was it. Uh, after my sophomore season, in between my sophomore and junior, I started. I found out found about about freestyle. I started wrestling the freestyle tournaments. My dad would take me. I didn't really have a lot of uh, instruction. I was just out there competing, um, really trying to fight hard. Right. And then uh, I, I got a little bit better during that period. But then when I went to college, I got to be around some good coaching, and I really liked to win. And I I, I understood how important technique and all that kind of stuff is because I wrestled without it for so long. I was just doing bad stuff, just trying to trying to win. Um, and then that's that's where it really turned the corner for me is that redshirt year, my freshman year. So I, I, I ended up going fourth in the high school state in 1994. I redshirted in 1995. And then 1996, I took fourth in the country for heavyweight. So that was a really big jump for me um, during that time. And, and again, you were a freshman? When you started? Yeah, I started in, in ninth grade. Ninth grade, yep. okay. So the difference that you made, in other words, uh, the sport allowed you the opportunity to get better. That's what wrestling does. It's up to us to be able to accept the challenge of the competition that's in front of us. But what do we take away from a win or a loss? You carried that through Cal Bakersfield and became an outstanding wrestler there but also on the world stage, okay? This is what's always fascinated me about you, is that you don't put it out there. I mean, Bruce Baumgartner is largely regarded as the best heavyweight of all time. Yep. But he doesn't, he doesn't herald that. In other words, he doesn't out, he's not out there promoting himself. When I first 
pulled into Lock Haven to uh, do a couple shows up there. Bruce was the athletic director at the time. Uh, am I saying Lock Haven? No, I'm saying Edinburgh. I'm sorry. Edinburgh, yeah. Yeah, so when, when I first pulled in, where was the sign that says the home of Bruce Baumgartner, you know, Olympic and world champion, many times? Uh, but there was no sign. I said, Bruce, where are all the awards? Where, where are they heralding your arrival and your competition in this sport? Well, my awards are in a, a storage locker. I said, they should be in a museum. You literally are one of the level best in our sport. And you were able to compete against guys like Brock Lesnar, like uh, uh, Karellen and, and, the, and the many others out there. But legitimately, you were able to push your weight around and make the match yours. Would you say that was the difference maker? Yeah, I think I had a good plan, too. Like, I, I getting into the world stage, I knew I didn't have um, very good parterre top stuff. Right. Um, and I, I knew the weakness uh, for me, the, the path of... The path of failure was going to be if I got turned on, on bottom. So I really worked on my gut wrench defense, and I had that dialed in. And then my path to victory was going to be to put up a bunch of points. So I went in there with the attitude of my conditioning is superior to these international guys. Uh, I think my uh, neutral game on my feet is superior. I just got to go out there and, you know, maybe I give up a couple takedowns, but I need to put a lot of points on the board. So I always think about that, uh, that scene in Elf movie when he's in the elevator and he just runs his hands down. <laughs> I'm like, that's what I have to do to the scoreboard. And that, that was a good path of victory for me throughout my entire career. The more points that's on the board, the better chance I have to win. That's so, the first uh, reference we've ever had to the motion picture <laughs> elf. I swear to God, it is the very first time. It's one of my favorite movies. Santa's here? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I, I actually sent, um, I, I, I got that little, I don't know if it's a gift or a meme or whatever. That, there's a little video you can pull up um, of him doing all the, the elevator buttons, and so I sent that to Gable Stevenson before the Olympics. I said, "You go out there and score a bunch of points, light up the scoreboard." Yeah, I so, love that. And he did. He did that. So you know, and, and I, I was going to head here, but you beat me to the punch. Gable Stevenson is Stevenson is um, heir apparent to the throne at Minnesota, but if you were to rate his performance as an athlete, as a wrestler, would you say he is yet to be? but really has the ability to be one of the level best heavyweights in the, in the world. Would you say that's true? I would say that's 100% true. Um, what he has is, uh, one thing I love about him is he has a swagger. Right. He's not afraid of anyone. And he'll go out there and he'll compete. And he's so quick and he can, you know, I mean, what he did in the Pan Am Games, that was just fun to watch because he could have just won 10-0, 10-0, 10-0, but he made state, he didn't, he didn't gut wrench those guys who let him back up and doubling them and, and, I mean, that's just fun to watch. He's putting on a show. He's entertaining us. And uh, I, I just love that, uh, that fact about him. It's, it's fun to watch. People don't understand how difficult a solid gut wrench is. But I watched Gable put Mark Ironside. <clears throat> this is a open practice. And uh, I was the announcer. And it was Mark Ironside. I can't remember who he was with. But for an hour and a half. They did gut wrench, gut wrench, gut wrench, suplex, 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 gut wrench. And if you, and I, I know you know, Stephen, because you're of that frequent flyer club, uh, you know, you like to fly guys. You really do. And I think Gable's of that same uh, persuasion. Would you agree with that? I mean, he truly loves to compete. 
He does, and you, you even saw it in uh, in the Nationals, uh, NCAA's. Like he he's trying to put on a show. He's trying to entertain, and I think that's that's something that sometimes people lose um, sight of. You know, they're out there just trying to win, which is great. But if you can put on a show um, while you're doing it, it just it brings more people into into our sport. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just I hope we can keep him as long as possible because uh, I know he has other options uh, for for. Uh, entertaining people and making 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 lots of money so hopefully we can keep them as long as possible and uh and just keep watching the entertaining show it's 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 fun you were of the size and impactful as you were in your career was there ever an option for you to take up a jerry briscoe offer of wrestling for the wwf then or the wwe now um you know what i never um got an offer i I think People called my coach. Um, I, I really didn't have an interest in doing that. Um, I like to compete, and I'm not saying that's not competing. That's a tough life, you know, all the travel. Right. And uh, you're putting on a show. It's like day after day, different city. Um, that didn't really appeal appeal to me. Um, I wanted to try to win that gold medal and figure out how to play football. And by the grace of God, the football door just kind of opened up. Actually, from Edinburgh, Pennsylvania, when, when I was at a bomb runner wrestling camp. So uh, <laughs> it always goes full circle back to to, um, to Bruce. What a great, great guy. Uh, what, what he does is get the heavyweights all together. At all the top-level heavyweights would go, and he'd have a heavyweight camp in Edinburgh. And you're talking 250 high school heavyweights. They go there, and then you have, like, the top 10, 20 um, heavyweights in the country that that are there instructing them, and uh, we just get some great workouts in. And um, he kind of really brought all the heavyweights together. Um, I mean, just imagine all your competitors; you're all right. there hanging out for the week. It was pretty pretty fun. Yeah, Bruce, by the way, Bruce, uh, one of my all-time heroes for sure. Bad haircut, and I've I told him <laughs> just just face. I think he literally puts a bowl over his head and cuts just the bangs. Okay, <laughs> but no, Bruce is a great guy. There have been so many greats um, in the heavyweight category. You were able to put all your faith and energy in the sport of wrestling through college, but you never played it down at college football, right? True, true. Uh, we didn't have a team at Bakersfield. How, does it, how did it work that you were able to walk on to Tom Brady's team, and I'm talking about the New England Patriots. How did that happen? So yeah, I was in uh, I was in Edinburgh at the heavyweight camp, and Matt Gafari, another all time great, love Matt, uh, fun, fun guy. He uh, he says, "Hey Steve, I know an agent in Cleveland. You wanted me to see if uh, you can meet with them, and you know he can get you a tryout somewhere." So I'm like, "Sure." So we call up this agent, Neil Cornrich, and he uh, he says, "You know, I, I've I've watched wrestling before. I remember watching you in Cleveland. You had the blue singlet on." He's like, "I thought you were pretty athletic." Um, <laughs> yeah, thank. <laughs> yeah, why don't why don't you come to, come down here? I'll drive you to Columbus, and uh, you can work out with the the strength coach uh, for he just uh, Dave Kennedy. He was the strength coach at Ohio, Ohio State, so he put me through like some football training, the sprints and all that kind of stuff, trying to teach me how to how to be a little faster. And then uh, he called Neil and said, "Hey, this guy can move. He's not a, a stiff heavyweight." Because um, back then there was a lot of you know much stiffer guys right. uh, wrestling heavyweight. Now it's, it's, it's getting better. Um, so then they, they, he, he called Neil, told him that, and then Neil called his client, which is Coach Belichick. So, I mean, it's just how things lined up, just, just amazing. So then they brought me in to the Patriots, and that was 2001. They had me do a bunch of drills. 
like defensive line drills, tight end drills, and they just they didn't really know what I was going to be. Um, but they invited me to training camp. They said if I could pass a conditioning test, they'd let me in. And the conditioning test for a wrestler was pretty darn pretty darn easy. So I was able to pass that conditioning test, and you know I'm I'm here playing football, and I was on D line for about a week, and they realized okay he doesn't know what he's doing on defense. They put me on offense, where at least I had the snap count. And uh, I was just blocking people with straight wrestling, and they were teaching me technique. And they saw something in me, and, and uh, I like to say that no matter what you're doing, if you just give it your all, and uh, you're all in, you, you can have success. It's when you're, you know, have feet in 17 different areas, that's when it, it gets a little bit tough. So uh, they kept me around, and I was able to stay there for 10 years. 10 lot, years. Was there a stop somewhere else in, in your professional football career? Wasn't there a stop in, like, Baltimore or what, what am I thinking? It, it, yeah, in Philly. So Philly. I, uh, after the third preseason game, they brought me in. They said, Steve, we love everything about you, but we need football players this year. And I, I said, okay, great. And they said, you keep training. We're going to bring you back next year to, uh, to teach you in the offseason because I didn't have any offseason. I just showed up at training camp. And so uh, they made that commitment. I, I said, thank you for this opportunity. It's been so much fun. I've always wanted to play football. And just to put the pads on again, you know, since high school, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, Lo and behold, I had a conversation with uh, Greg Strobel, who's recently passed. Yeah. He was the Lehigh coach forever. Right. And he knew a guy named Chuck Bednarik, who was a Lehigh wrestling fan. And so I'm over here talking to him. Uh, this is a couple years before. And uh, he said, hey, I'm going to tell the Eagles, I think you could be the next two-way player, because that's what he was known for, the two-way player. Mm-hmm. And so once I got cut from the Patriots, the Eagles saw my name uh, pop up, and they brought me in for that, that year on practice squad. And so that was that was a fun time because I'm sitting there hanging with uh, Glenn Pritzloff. Uh, uh, you got uh, uh, Brian Dolph. You got Roger Renner, the whole Penn team. So I'd, I'd do the football thing, and then I'd shoot over to Penn and wrestle uh, during wrestling practice. It was just so much fun. And then the Patriots. Sorry, I'm getting long one. The Patriots. Uh, they they called called up my agent, and I was at a. Uh, Christmas party at Roger Renna's house and the whole team, and uh, he said, hey, you need to pack your bags. Patriots are putting you on their active roster. Oh. I didn't know what that meant, but he said, you have to do this. And I, I kind of didn't want to go because, <laughs> you know, the Eagles are really nice, and, you know, Andy <laughs> Reid, he's, you know, he's nice, and he doesn't cuss, and the Patriots are a little, little different. Right. That's what I mean. Right. But um, I, I loaded up the car, went to the Patriots next day, and then lo and behold, they, they won the Super Bowl that year. It was just a wild, wild time in my life, for sure. One, one year... One year of extreme change, for sure. All right, so the phone so, ring. So you were, you were the good luck charm. That's what you're saying, right? <laughs> yeah. When I got there, everything fell. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the phone rings on the caller ID. It says, Tom Brady, do you answer the call? Uh, yeah, I would definitely answer the call. <laughs> okay. What, everybody, you know, you look at him, the oldest active player in the NFL, right? The most accurate so. quarterback in the history of the game. You know, I used to look up to Bart Starr, Mike Dick, et cetera. But Tom Brady is almost the the guy that you, you, it's hard to understand how many snaps he's taken in his career and what he's been able to accomplish. How important was the victory of the Buccaneers over the Patriots in Tom Brady's first return back to uh, New England? I think it was huge. And I, I think both of those uh, teams have something to be proud of because the Patriots didn't look so good against the Saints. They got pushed around a little bit. Right. And, I mean, they're, uh, you know, an inch away from possibly winning that game. You know, I mean, Tom would, would have some time for a drive down there. But uh, it, it was an entertaining game. And, and, and for Tom, he's beat every single team in the NFL except the Patriots. 
And, you know, and, and now he's beating the Patriots. So um, I think there's so much respect in New England for for uh, Tom, and, and uh, I think everywhere there's respect for him because how can you argue what, it, what he's done? It's just amazing. And the do fact you, that he do you have a relationship with him? I haven't talked to him. The last time I talked with Tom, um, they, they came out here to play the Chargers. And so I went, went down there with, with the son. I, whenever they would come here, I'd always bring Mexican food to them, you know, a <laughs> bunch of burritos. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that was the last time um, – uh, we, we we hung out together. So, uh, but it's kind of funny. We have reunions and stuff. We go back to New England. And it's just you might not talk to someone for quite a while, and then you see them, and it's just back to where where you left it off. So it's kind of it's kind of fun. Everyone's got you know kids now and sure. going in different directions. So I still remember our fun. dinner with Jeremy Stevens. You remember this? Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a nice restaurant. Yeah, great restaurant. Cost me about what seven hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, you, I never ever. Should put an open bar in front of in front of you or Jeremy Stevens. We had a heck of a time. That was when I was uh, a guest of the United States Marine Corps. But uh, what a time we had! I'm so grateful for you and your friendship. You've been a guy that is uh, so focused on family, uh, so focused on CSUB. Um, somebody that I respect greatly, and I appreciate what you've done, what you continue to do. Um, I can't wait till you're fully retired and start drawing in that NFL pension. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> then, then I can come out for dinner. <laughs> you can come out anytime. Anytime. You're more than welcome. Steven, it's always <laughs> good to talk to you, brother. Give my best to your wife. Good job out of you both. It's um, Jody and, and is Colby. How old are Colby and Jillian now? So my oldest Colby, she's a freshman at Oregon. She's uh, registering this year on the volleyball team. So we're going to go up there tonight to UCLA to, to see her. She's not going to play, but she'll be uh, suited up. And then uh, their w- weekend trip, she's going to be at USC on Sunday. So we're going to go up there and see them. With this whole COVID thing, you can't take them out to dinner. they got to be you know, contained in the, ho- in the hotel. It's kind of weird, but uh, it'll be just good to, to see her. I know she's excited to see us as well. So Safe, Safety first, my friend, always. Great yeah, to talk always. to you, Stephen. Thank you so much. We'll do it again soon. Okay. Sounds good. Look forward to it. There we go. Our buddy Stephen Neal. Former American football guard. Yeah, I played guard, but nowhere near what Stephen Neal was able to accomplish in his career. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Dylan Wanagill. And if you remember Dylan on this program, he was the uh, VP of special events at at the Garden. Madison Square Garden. Why am I having trouble with that? Anyway, uh, he's going to be telling us about his new job at the Prudential Center in New Jersey and the first wrestling event, an NCAA wrestling event, in that venue coming up. It's the Garden State Grapple when we return. This is USA Takedown. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Two-time world champion Terry Brand said, We use it in our showers and in our room. Defense Soap. It's what the pros use. Well, it wasn't that long ago when Dylan Wanago called me up and said, listen, I'm, uh, I'm leaving Madison Square Garden. I'm thinking, what the heck are you doing? This is like a dream job, right? Dream building, the most famous arena in the entire world. And, uh, you know, what began as just a, a, a wonderful interview became a good friendship. I had all the high hopes for Dylan to retire and retire well. Well, he didn't retire. <laughs> no. Indeed, he's gone on to an extended career, this time with uh, 
Paris Blitzer Sports and, and Entertainment and the Prudential Center in New Jersey. He's here to talk about the event coming up. Dylan Wanagel. Dylan, how are you? Oh, doing great. Uh, wonderful to hear your voice again, Scott. Oh, my God. It's great to hear your voice. I know your passion for our sport, and you're bringing that with you from Madison Square Garden, where you put together an event called Grapple at the Garden. And coming up in uh, Newark, New Jersey, at the Prudential Center, you will host the very first ever NCAA wrestling event there at your new home. Tell us about it. Yeah, thanks for that intro, Scott. Yeah, after a nice 25-year uh, run at MSG, I'm now uh, across the river in my home state of New Jersey uh, at the Prudential Center, uh, which is home to the uh, three-time Stanley Cup winning uh, New Jersey Devils, <laughs> as well as Seton, <laughs> Seton Hall men's college basketball uh, plays here as well. But, yeah, we're we're so excited to have our initial foray into college wrestling um, at the Prudential Center with an event entitled the Garden State Grapple right. uh, coming up on Saturday, uh, November 27. And you were able to partner up with, what, Spartan Combat, right, as a presenting sponsor? Yeah, that, that's correct. Um, Nick Garone has long been a big supporter uh, of, of the sport, as you know, and, and of mine personally. We, we really hit it off, and we're working uh, with Nick, who obviously uh, works with, with Joe DeSena from Spartan. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, they, they're coming in as our presenting uh, partner to uh, help us uh, grow this event. Um, and, and really, you know, it, it, I have to shout out, it really all started with uh, Coach Scott Goodale at Rutgers uh, when I first joined the Prudential Center. He was really my first call in any genre, uh, to just say, hey, let, let's do some wrestling. And then he's, uh, he's a great visionary for the sport as well. You know, um, if you think about when Madison Square Garden jumped in to the world of wrestling, wrestling was in a tough spot, okay? There's no secret about that. Wrestling was in a tough spot. We were not adding teams. We were not adding. The sport wasn't growing. But after the very first grapple of the garden, we started seeing some life in the sport. I give Madison Square Garden, I give you a ton of credit for igniting the flame and definitely fanning it because what we're seeing now is about a team a week on the average or more. Uh, women's programs being added, men's programs being reinvigorated. Most recent, I'm, I'm, I don't know the name of the school. It's not in my notes, but uh, they've added men's and women's wrestling uh, just this last week. Uh, after 24-year absence. But we're seeing more and more of this, and it really legitimately started with the New York Athletic Club, with uh, Madison Square Garden, but with you. And uh, I can't thank you enough. You're right, Nick Garone, easy guy to like, easy guy to be around. He's got so much energy and so much love for his sport. But right now we're seeing the East come alive, specifically the East. I've always said that the East will rise again. And my goodness sakes, it truly is. If if Syracuse doesn't re-add wrestling, I will be shocked. That, that's a good tie-in with Garone there. I believe he started out his career at the Syracuse. And, and yeah, thank you uh, for the kind words there, Scott. Obviously, uh, it takes a village for, for any movement. So I just was really a tiny, small part in that. Uh, I think you were thinking of Morgan State, perhaps, the yes. first uh, yes. uh, HBCU a program back in the fold, which was a very exciting announcement I saw uh, yesterday. That's exactly um, but, yeah, I mean, when you think about uh, wrestling as a whole, like I'm someone who never wrestled a day in my life, but if you watch even one match, you instantly know, wow, like these uh, men and women are uber-talented and should be superstars uh, across the country. And, and how can uh, anyone who's fortunate enough to be in a position to help amplify that message, well, you know, we need to do that. And, yeah, I think Mike Moyer could tell you all the stats about, 
you know, losing programs and now finally gaining some programs. Uh, we are definitely adding some women's wrestling to this Garden State grapple. And, you know, that, that announcement by Iowa that they're adding a Division I uh, women's team was uh, uh, just a tremendous uh, excitement uh, in that regard. I know it wouldn't be long before Wartburg made the announcement that they would add a women's program, but they let Iowa go first. Now we're starting to see those dominoes fall, and I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful. And, you know, John Saatchi at Rutgers uh, used to tell me, he says, women have no place in the sport of wrestling. Well, John is now retired, and we obviously know that they do have a place in wrestling. They're an important part of it. But you mentioned Scotty Goodell at Rutgers. They're one of the teams that are going to be competing, a Big Ten powerhouse like Rutgers and Wisconsin. This is pretty cool. You're bringing two great teams into the Garden State to compete. Who are they going to be facing? Uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks for that to you up there, Scott. Yeah, uh, Coach Goodell, you know, when I first called him, his vision was really to try and pull together uh, Big Ten versus ACC. You know, when you talk about that many teams and uh, coordinating that many schedules, it, it, it's a difficult proposition. But we're very proud of what we did pull together. Uh, and Goodell, uh, Coach Goodell hooked me up with Coach Chris Bono at Wisconsin. Um, I had never been fortunate enough to have Wisconsin at the uh, MSG event, but here they are, first year in New Jersey. And Talk about energy. Uh, <laughs> tough to top Chris Bono, for sure. And then, uh, you know, quick, Coach Goodell was already in contact with uh, North Carolina about doing a dual meet uh, with them. Uh, Coach Scott and Coach Ramos have, have been great. And uh, and then my friend, Coach uh, Dennis Papadatos at Hofstra, um, you know, gave us four really solid, very competitive Division One dual meets. And I have to commend all these coaches for their willingness to take on difficult matches. And, oh, yeah. and when I talk to these guys, you know, it's really about how, how can you be ready for March if you're not testing yourself often along the way. And that's, mm-hmm. they really all have that same mindset of, you know, iron sharpens iron. Now, if, if, I, think, I think I'm right in saying that uh, your boys did not, did not wrestle, right? Uh, when they were very young, but they, they've moved on. My oldest plays college baseball at the... Uh, a junior college, Ocean Community College here in New Jersey, and my younger son plays football and basketball. But they know my appreciation for the sport. They have friends who wrestle, and uh, like I said, you really just watch one match, and you know right away, like, this is serious business, and uh, no one works harder than wrestlers. No, that's that's an absolute fact. What you did um, in the various iterations of wrestling at MSG, uh, you afforded the big city, the Big Apple, uh, to the sport, and the sport responded with uh, outstanding attendance at MSG, and we proved that we could do wrestling in the Big Apple and do it well. Uh, MSG was a great home for us, and it was at the beginning of the pandemic when, you know, le- legitimately everybody in the world of sports had to, you know, it was a severe gut check. Um, how important is the pandemic to your uh, plans and what what uh, is the the facility, specifically your facility, uh, for the Garden State Grapple uh, putting in front of these athletes and these coaches? <clears throat> well, yeah, I think when you talk about it, Scott, the pandemic affected all of us. And uh, from the live events world, you know, live events were the first thing to go away when the pandemic hit, and now are the last piece of the puzzle to come back. But mm-hmm. thankfully, you know, we've reached a place where. People are now comfortable going to live events once again. We are seeing sold-out crowds. Uh, naturally, the, the vaccine is, is, a, is a big part of that. Um, and there are um, you know, policies in place where um, 
you know, unvaccinated folks can show, you know, proof of negative tests and whatnot um, to, to make sure everyone feels safe uh, leaving their home and going to a, a big venue. Um, so, you know, it, it's just great to have live events back. There's nothing quite like the energy. You know, the competition for the entertainment dollar has never been higher. Everyone's right. got Netflix, Hulu, ESPN+. Plus. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, you got to get off your couch and live your life and go to some live events and, and that excitement and the energy from the crowd. There's really nothing like it. So we're just thrilled that live events are back. I want to ask you a little bit about your career at MSG. Um, that was largely regarded as the home of uh, Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus. Okay. What, what, when they played the Garden, would they play 10, 15 dates? Well, that's an interesting question, Scott. When I first started as an intern in 1993, uh, Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus was in MSG for six consecutive weeks. And it would you know, load out and load in, and there would be mixed games, ranger games, etc. Um, but that was, it was quite a run, and, and all the elephants were stayed back of house <laughs> where the workers could, could see them uh, really any time. So, but, you know, entertainment evolves and, and society evolves, and, uh, you know, the, you don't see those circuses really uh, much anymore, but, you know, there's, there's many other forms of, of entertainment and live events uh, nowadays. I remember you walking us past the one of the vomitoriums, if you will, uh, as we're going to the meeting uh, that we always have in front of the wrestling event, and it was um, the Rangers were playing were on the ice, and I just remember I had to stop because I realized at that point that these guys were absolutely huge. Uh, they hit one of the dashers or something, and it got my attention. I looked, my God, they are huge! And then I remembered they also had skates on. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, just, just yesterday, I, I happened to be standing somewhere where I probably shouldn't, and uh, the Devils were were taking the ice for for warm up practice, and uh, almost got stampeded myself. Yeah, these <laughs> NHL athletes are are big, big dudes, and and yeah, they they do, they can claim to work as hard as wrestlers, that's for sure. But it's pretty, it's pretty close, as you know. You know, in terms of. Uh, Hours put in, you know, hockey players, wrestlers, they're, they're all in the same boat. Well, the Prudential Center is highly regarded, by the way. I think it's got great management. You're part of it now as a, a VP. Um, how has your job changed from MSG to the Prudential Center? That's a good question, Scott. You know, the reality is um, Prudential Center prides itself on being uh, very entrepreneurial in spirit. And, and we want to uh, go out and... and uh, proactively uh, seek out content for our community in northern New Jersey. Um, the, the 10 uh, counties that feed into uh, Newark, that's 6.3 million people in and wow. of itself, not counting any of the fans that come to us from New York or Connecticut. Like northern New Jersey is, is a, and in central New Jersey where I live, a very dense demographic, uh, diverse demographic. So we really just try and support our community with diverse programming. And we do have a very busy calendar um, that we're proud of between concerts, family shows, sports properties, which I'm now tasked with growing that. And we have 24 uh, regular season college basketball games this year and 41 oh, wow. dual meets, you know. So that, that's, uh, that's a lot of programming. Seton Hall's doing 16 games with us. Um, so it's, uh, the difference is just, I'd say, a little bit more uh, entrepreneurial spirit, a little bit more um, just go out and get it and serve our community. One of the things you did is that you opened up Madison Square Garden and that experience to wrestling fans, and I'll never be able to thank you enough. But for us announcers, Jason Bryant, myself, Brian Hazard, uh, Nick Gallo, um, 
or Nick around, pardon me. Um, you also, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm sure you get the phone calls a lot. Hey, you got tickets for this. You were always very gracious in making uh, the Madison Suite available to me. Every time I was in New York, I'd come in a day early just to avail myself of the entertainment. There wasn't a day that went by that something wasn't going on in the arena. I don't even know what that kind of pressure is like, but you seem to just absolutely blossom with that kind of pressure. Is it the same at the Prudential Center? Oh, it, it's true, and then some. You know, because my role now is both booking sports properties and also special events. So we have uh, film and TV shoots coming up, uh, college graduation ceremonies, corporate meetings. But the reality is, Scott, anyone who's in the live event business, like. This is the path we've chosen in life. Mm-hmm. There are events every weeknight. There are events on the weekends. There are many times, as you know, uh, a double dip on the weekends where you have one event in the morning and afternoon, and then you change over the arena and you have another different event at night. You know, so this is this is really the path we've chosen. And uh, you know, either you love it and you spend thirty plus years in the business, or it chews you up and spits you out, and and you move on to something <laughs> else in life. But but for me, uh, I, uh, you know. Like wrestlers, you know, you kind of have to thrive under pressure. And and if I recall, the uh, switching over from program to program or event to event, sometimes your building staff could do that changeover in three hours. And that I find absolutely amazing that a building can go from one event and one thing to another event and another different type. It's it, it completely different. But I've always been amazed at, at a building that's well-managed being able to do that. And uh, quite frankly, you had a great staff there. I always enjoyed my dates. And, uh, and I hope you've enjoyed wrestling as well. It's going to be UNC and Hofstra taking on Wisconsin and Rutgers. I think this is a great uh, du- uh, double duo. Uh, I, I truly believe that. Plus women's uh, freestyle and folk style matches. I think this is an outstanding event as you, again, put your fingers onto, uh, on wrestling. It's a positive thing. I saw the, all the tags um, in your post of all the people that you tag, guys like Joe Warren and Gracie and, and uh, Jason, et cetera. But what you've done is been able to figure out wrestling. If you're passionate about it, um, you know, the, the fans will come, and by God, they, they supported you there, and I'm confident that our fandom will support you at the Prudential Center. Thank, thank you, Scott. Yeah, like, as you mentioned, we are definitely working feverishly with the uh, Kira Barry, who happens to have a son on UNC Wrestling, but we're working on adding girls and women's wrestling. USA Wrestling is helping us out, too. So we'll have some announcements soon about, you know, adding uh, girls and women's wrestling, you know, high school, collegiate, you know, uh, senior-level stuff. So we're excited about that, too. But, yeah, certainly we're thrilled to have four very high-level D1 men's teams. Um, and, yeah, Rutgers and Wisconsin each taking on Hofstra and UNC. So it's going to be an exciting day. com for tickets. And uh, please... Support the sport. Uh, thank you. Come out and celebrate the sport and all that's great in it, including our guest, Dylan Wanaga. Dylan, we'll talk to you soon as we get closer to the event for sure. But I'm uh, looking forward to the Garden State Grapple kicking off at the Provincial Center on November 27. Good job out of you. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate your time. All right, but there we go, Dylan. One of the absolute best people I know. He. This has been a show of really good people. <laughs> you know, I, I may say that every week, but... You know, I'm, I'm, by the way, the program he was talking about that's being added is being funded by a guy named Michael Novogratz, a billionaire, trust, uh, uh, specialty fund investor. But Michael is putting his money again where his mouth is and, and funding 
the reemergence of that program and, and largely regarded as an all-black school. Okay? That's very cool. Anyway, hey, coming up next week, uh, we'll be on the road. But nonetheless, we'll be with Travis Dvorak in uh, Jefferson, Iowa. And we're going to be talking with uh, Tony Ersland from, uh, from Purdue. Johnny Case and Monty Cox and more. That's all next week on the show. 1021 FM, 1350 ESPN. I'm Scott Casper for Kerry Jones. Thanks for listening to USA Takedown on ESPN.